Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this podcast found on the Tennis Podcast Network on the allnewtennis.com website. We're breaking down the Wimbledon Championships 2021 edition, and I've got a pair of former pros to help me get into the action as we have reached the climactic stage of this event. It's Greg Rosetsky, the Great Britain player, former world number four, and the 1997 U.S. Open finalist. To break down the men's action, Novak Djokovic's dominance, Roger Federer losing uh, in uh, swift fashion to Hubie Hercosh and what's next for him, how the semifinals break down for the men's side, all that and more with Greg Kuzetsky. And then a special treat as well, Danny Hanakova, Daniela Hanakova coming on the program to discuss the women's game. Final now set between Ash Barty and Carolina Pliskova. She's got a lot to say about that, as well as the British teenager Emma Ratakanyu, Coco Goff, Angelique Kerber's play, Anj Jabour making history. A lot of great storylines on the women's side. It's Greg Ruzetsky and Danny Hanakova on the Tennis Channel Inside In podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica Studios in Hello. California. And our guest today on this show, talking the Wimbledon men's draw won 15 titles on tour had a career high of number four served absolute bombs i have to say he did have the record for fastest serve for a little bit before andy roddick got to it but we're going to celebrate that as well representing great britain it's the 1997 u.s open finalist greg ruzetsky greg thanks for joining the show yeah thanks for having me today it's a uh, fun time for sure to be a, a sports fan in general but tennis has been waiting for this moment for two years wimbledon's back I mentioned you represented Great Britain for all those years and did not have this tournament last year. It was one of those situations, right, where we didn't fully understand how much we appreciated this tournament. And I can only imagine from your perspective what it was like to see that tournament, see Djokovic walk out to center court, start the uh, the gala. The fans are back. It's It's been a great time for tennis to see this tournament finally after two long years without it. It is. It's amazing to have Wimbledon back. Um, we've all missed the championships, especially here in Britain, because the run from Queens all the way through Wimbledon is kind of the summer season. It's announcing, okay, summer is about to start. Yeah. Everybody who loves tennis can't wait for this. And even if you're not a tennis fan, it, it's the social event to be at as well. So it was great to see Novak walk onto that center court, obviously playing a, a British player in Jack Draper, who are all very excited about him. And, and the only man so far to date to take a set off the defending champions. So from a British perspective, we're pretty happy about the youngster playing so well against Novak and Novak, so far to date, looks unstoppable. He does, uh, and I think that's a good place to start. There's been so many storylines in the men's straw, but Novak Djokovic is playing for history, playing for a lot of things, just playing again for dominance because he's been the best player in the world for quite some time now. Greg, he's 77-10 and 10 at this event, which is kind of startling to realize that we talk about his dominance at the Australian Open. He's 82-8 and eight there. He's not that far off at Wimbledon. His level since dropping that first set to the local kid has been tremendous, what is it about his game, and in, in you've, you've seen it, you've covered it for a long time, but on this surface, what makes him so deadly? All the hype about him on hardcourt, but on grass, he's equally as dominant. He is, and it's all about movement. He's the best mover in men's tennis, bar none. It used to be Roger Federer, but Djokovic can get in the full splits on the run and hit a backhand passing yeah. shot. I mean, it is quite sensational. On top of that, the acquisition of Goran Ivanisevic as the second coach with Marion Vida has been huge. His serve has improved out of sight, lower ball toss, more aces, more free points, transition game coming forward. He's improved that. And the greatest return to serve player in the history of our sport as well. So you put that combination together, doesn't matter what surface you put this guy in, he's going to be dominant. And uh, he, he looks like he's going to win this title for a third time in a row the way he's playing. Do you think his ability to handle pressure is something that kind of gets overlooked? And I don't just mean being the top player in a grand slam as the top seed with all the expectations, but now he's chasing, he's 
he has a chance to tie Federer and Nadal. He hasn't lost a match in a major this year. I just feel like his ability to handle expectations gets overlooked because he still brings it day in, day out with everybody on the outside talking about, well, this is a historic run he's on. He's still able to maintain that level. Well, you've got to look at his childhood, you know, growing up in Serbia during the war. Mm -hmm. I mean, tennis becomes second fiddle when you're, you're, you're practicing in a, a swimming pool with no water in it to hit tennis yeah. balls. Well, you have, you know, fire, uh, gunfire, you have rockets coming over. I mean, you've got to put life in perspective. So this guy is an amazing tennis player, but probably mentally the strongest of the big three because of life experience. That's what molds us as a person, as an athlete, as everything. And I think he wants to go down as the greatest male tennis player, but the greatest of all time. I think he could win 25 slams. That's how good this guy is. And on top of that, you know, we have the debate, who's the best? Is it Roger? Is it Rafa? Who really is it? But if Djokovic does the golden slam this year, there's not really a debate. I mean, 21 slams he'll have and the gold medal in the same year, never been done in the men's side. In the women's side, it has been done by Serena. It has been done by Steffi. But, uh, you know, if he does that this year, no question about it. They say he's on his own journey was his quote this week. Now he's on that journey where he wants to show everybody he is the best. Yeah, it's funny. If they finish close, you can have this debate. But if he laps the field, if he just goes above and beyond, gets to 24, 25, I mean, there's not going to be much of a debate. On this show a couple weeks ago after this French Open when Paul Anacone mentioned that he just asked the question in these best of five matches, even even if he's down, like in that Tsitsipas match, how are you going to finish points against me? How are you going to beat me? How are you going to get me off this court? As a former player and someone that's covered the game, do you is there an answer to that question? Like, what would the strategy be? How, to, how do you try? I know it's like the impossible question, but is there a strategy that you'd like to see some of these players attempt against this guy? Well, I played Novak in Davis Cup when he was an 18-year-old kid. And I spoke to a few of my friends and guys on tour, and it was like, okay, the forehand breaks down. He's got breathing problems. He gets tight. <laughs> and we're playing on an ice skating rink, basically. And, you know, I beat Tipsarevich in five sets, play him in the final day. And it's like playing against a human wall. I mean, that's an 18-year-old. And he's a much better player now, no question about it, and, and could go down as the greatest of all time. You just think to yourself, where are the weaknesses? The guy keeps on getting better. Yes, transitioning forward is a slight weakness when you bring him in on your terms. He doesn't always split step. He kind of takes a guess here and there. But his defensive capabilities are so incredible that you think to yourself, okay, how do I break this guy down? The forehand side is supposed to be the weaker side, yet his forehand is so much more improved. The problem is he doesn't have any holes in his game. And when he's down, he digs deep, as he did against Tsitsipas in the Roland Garros finals, where he just says, okay, I'm going to recompose myself. I know I'm physically, mentally the strongest. And I don't really see any holes in this game. And that's the problem. The only pe person that can beat him is the Novak Djokovic that beat himself at the U.S. Open when that freak accident happened. Yeah. So, you know, someone's got to serve out of a tree, have a lights out performance, and Djokovic has to be subpar for him to lose. That, that's the reality of the situation, in my opinion, at the moment. And uh, I just can't see it happening at the moment. He's just so far ahead of everybody. And the French Open was a statement, in my opinion, because Rafa was the heavy favorite. Yes, he had a foot injury in the fourth set, but that third set tiebreaker was humongous. And that third set was one of the best sets of tennis I've seen at any major championship in a long time. Well, timing is everything in life. So congrats to you on getting Djokovic at 18 years old. And <laughs> no, no, I didn't, get, I didn't get the win. I lost I in four sets, man. Oh, I wish oh. I did. Don't, don't have any bragging rights for that one. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Well, uh, next up for Djokovic is uh, Denis Shapovalov. And I think the other storyline, we'll get to Federer in a second, but you have Djokovic, the perennial favorite, chasing that title of the greatest ever, and three first-time major semifinalists. He gets Shapovalov, who put it all together at this tournament, who, again, wasn't really playing his best tennis going into Wimbledon, had some shaky results on grass. But there are some statements here with how he played Greg, and, and that last win over Hatchinoff down two sets to one, storming back, winning in the fifth set. The kid from Canada really did put it together and showed the world that, you know, he's more than just a flashy backhand. He's got an all-court game, and he can come up big in crucial moments. Well, I, I think it was a huge step forward for Dennis because let's not forget, he's, he's been a top-10 player. He's 22 years of age. A certain guy by the name of Roger Federer didn't really win Wimbledon until he was 23. It took him a little bit longer. And a lot of people forget that. So it's nice to see him putting it together. And I think his run all started 
with that victory over Murray on center court, you know, there was a lot of hype, a lot of expectation. And yes, Murray wasn't physically at his best, but he put down the hammer and, and shut the door very, very quickly from there and grew in confidence and in stature. And, you know, you look at his support box, his mom's not there, his coach is not there. He's doing it on himself. He's starting to figure things out. And with Dennis, we always know where he's at from the second serve. The second serve, you get double fault tightest. That hasn't happened at these championships. He hasn't gotten nervous. He hasn't gotten tight. And that's a great sign. And he can, and he can roll the dice against Novak. The question is, does he have good enough defensive capabilities when push comes to shove in the big moments against Novak at the moment? And at the moment, I don't think so. But the kid's starting to fulfill his immense potential. And it's great to have him, Ogerali, see him in the quarters. And he's the one who stepped in the semifinals so uh you know canadian tennis looks very good at the moment it, it really does it's a it's a renaissance on both tours men and women i know playing djokovic is as tall a task as there is in sports right now but on chapovalov where do you see him in the i don't want to say pecking order but the you know the stature of these young guys coming up do you think he fits in towards the top of that list where you know four or five years down the road maybe sooner he's a legit major champion when you compare him to the sitsapasas the berrettinis and those well, I think this was a huge statement getting to the semis. And I think tomorrow when he plays Novak, we're going to find out where he stands in that category because Medvedev, Tsitsipas, you know, Rublev's been on a yeah. run. Yes, he hasn't gone as deep as we'd like in the majors, but this was a massive thing. If we're talking four years from now, there's no question he should be at the peak of his form and a real threat in the majors. He's just got to figure out how to use all his immense talent he has because he kind of doesn't know when to be offensive, when to be defensive. I'd like to see him add that block return. That's something that he needs to add to his arsenal a little bit more. And he needs to be a better better server where strategically where he goes. Because if he doesn't get that right against Novak and goes into Novak's pocket a little bit too often, he's going to be punished. So I think playing the very best in your first every semifinals, if he gets a set or two, It'll be a phenomenal performance and something he can be very, very proud of. So four or five years, there's no reason he shouldn't be top five looking at major titles. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Greg Grzetsky on Tennis Channel Inside In, breaking down the men's singles draw at Wimbledon 2021. The other big story of these championships has been Roger Federer's return to the major circuit and, and return to Wimbledon. He gets to the quarterfinals, which is a good run considering where he was, where his age is, his knee surgeries, but he loses to Hubert Hurkacz in straight sets. Bageled in the third set just the second time on grass that's ever happened. A lot to unpack with this run for Federer. It was a, a bad ending for his fans and for what he hoped to accomplish. But looking at a guy at his age, what he's been through, Greg, and, and the fact that this was kind of a comeback tour that he was really not used to, what was your thought on the result? Just getting to the quarterfinal, losing to a guy that is up and coming. Do you think Federer's Wimbledon run was more positive or is the negative outcome and how he lost going to be the, the outlier here? Well, let's start with the first round. He was lucky to get through the opening match. You know, his opponent had to default at two sets all, the Frenchman, um, who he usually struggles with. And, you know, from there on in, he played some pretty good tennis. And then against her catch, you know, you think, okay, he's up a break in the second set, and you're thinking, okay, it's going to be one set all. Historically, Federer would not drop that second set like that. And wow. then to go out six love in the third set, uh, the question mark which I have and I think a lot of people have is, is this the last time we've seen him at the Wimbledon Championships? Because Roger has always said, if I can't win a major, I don't feel like I can win a major, it's time for me to say goodbye. I mean, he's still playing great tennis at 39, but the forehand's misfiring. That's one of his biggest strengths in his game. And all throughout the championships, it hasn't been there like he'd like it to be. He served over 70%, but still got broken on multiple occasions. And that's that's a little bit of an issue for him, I would say. But you know, let's put this into context. He's still playing amazing tennis. Because remember that run with Jimmy Connors in 91? I was there in the juniors when he got to the semis. And we're yeah. like, wow, a 39-year-old. <laughs> he's in the semis of the U.S. Open. How amazing is this? 
But Federer has defied logic. He's defied time. He created a new game in 2017. There's not more he can create anymore because it was all based on movement, taking the ball early, coming forward. So the question mark, will he be happy not being able to win majors again? And that is the big question mark only Roger can answer. And knowing Roger from, from quite a young age, around 16, 17 years of age, I don't think he'll be satisfied just showing up without really believing he can win. Yeah, his post conference his comments it, it seemed like a more deflated version of roger who's got the most positive outlook of just about any athlete out there said he proved a lot to himself he wanted more but something was missing and it just wasn't possible and i'm with you in the sense that i don't know if this is the last time but his attitude and, and his you know comments and what he said it seems like it's a realistic possibility that it's the last time that he'll be considered a contender that he will be in serious contention to win a major and like you said these greats if they don't feel like they can do it with their career, I don't want to say what's the point, but is it going to be worth it for a guy who will now be playing every major in his 40s? Is it worth him to keep going on? I know that sounds, you know, it doesn't sound too old for some people listening, but it's a, it's a pro athlete in their 40s, and that's really not something we're used to. Well, it's not like Tom Brady. You know, he's got a defensive line, he's got wide yeah. receivers, and he doesn't have to play every play. Roger Federer has to play every play. And, you know, he's got a beautiful wife, four kids, um, you know, lockdown with COVID has been crazy. So he's probably spent a lot more time at home, even though it's been having to recover from the surgery. So it gets to a stage where you want to get to normality. And let's not forget tennis years on the circuit are like dog years. You know, you multiply every year on tour by seven as an athlete. And I, I just think to myself, he's got to digest that because if Roger still loves playing tennis, he can say, okay, let's go fill out a stadium of 50,000 people and do an EXO every night, and you're going to sell tickets to everything. So he can still be part of the game, still play, but the question is, is that enough for him? And, you know, that gets to stage for all athletes. You've got to figure that out for you. So my opinion is I think we actually saw the last of Roger at Wimbledon, to be honest with him, because I can't see how he's going to get better, but he's still a great champion, and, and he's accomplished everything in our sports. So there's nothing to prove, but only he can make that decision. It is poetic in a way that, I mean, this is what happens in sports, right? The younger guy comes up, and a lot of times it's the player that idolized him. Federer, everybody idolized growing up. But <laughs> Hubert Hurkacz said, like, this was the guy I modeled my game after and why I really attacked tennis. He wins the match, and, and full credit to him, this was a great performance by Hubie, who I don't think anybody dislikes on tour. The smile and just his approach to the game, he seems like he's one of the more popular, likable guys. And he becomes the second Polish man ever behind Jersey Janowicz at Wimbledon in 2013 to make a major semifinal. So full credit, of course, to Hubie for what he did and what he represents for his country. Yeah, I mean, incredible performance from him. But I liken his game more to Andy Murray. If you look at the backhand on video clips yeah, and the way that he was plays, insane. <laughs> he's, more, he's more like a tactician. But yeah. we, all, we would all love to play like Roger Federer if we could. But I think the means with the way he dismantled Federer. And let's not forget that unbelievable run he had in Miami as well when he won that event as well against Sinner in the finals. So, uh, you know, her catch is the real deal, even though he's been in a terrible run until the Wimbledon Championship. He's got a great coach in the American, Craig Boynton, who's done a fantastic job with him. And he's got a real shot to be in his first Grand Slam final because you look at the head-to-head -head against Barrettini as well. He leads it 1-0 where he beat him in Miami. So uh, well done to her catch. And her catch for anybody on grass, is a nightmare. The flat shots, it doesn't come up. Great movement, big serve, good returns, and excellent movement. So, if you're talking about somebody who's going to be a real threat to Djokovic, you know, he could be the man as he's dismantled Federer. He came into this tournament like a lot of players, kind of on a losing streak, not really doing well, and he, and he <laughs> turned it around. I mean, there's something about this, this tournament that brings out the best in players. And I don't know what his ranking is going to end up being. But he's turning into what they call that dangerous floater in the draw because you mentioned Miami. He took out a lot of top players, a lot of young players that we thought were going to carry the mantle. Hubie is turning into a big match player right before our eyes. He is. I mean, we saw him win in Del Rey um, earlier the year in the year, and I was like, okay, this guy's got to be top 10 by the end of the year. I mean, this guy's too good. Mm -hmm. And then he won wins in Miami. He, he loves Miami for some reason. If every tournament was in, in Miami or in Florida – He'd be winning a lot. He's a guy you don't want to play. I think it's getting that mental fortitude and believing he belongs there. And, you know, obviously with Schweintech winning in uh, the French Open last year, I think that gives you a little bit more belief coming from Poland because they've never had a male 
player who's won a Grand Slam. And he's got the potential and possibility to do so because he's coming in at the right time. So, I mean, it's great for Polish tennis. It's great for him. And he's somebody you don't want to play. He's reminiscent, as I said, of Andy Murray. That's a that's the sort of style you don't want to play against. He mentioned that they feed off of each other. Like he was inspired by what Svantec did and winning the French Open. And uh, yeah, just everyone in that country seems super nice. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, it, it's working. He does play Matteo Berrettini in that semifinal. And you can make the case outside of Novak Djokovic, obviously he's in his own stratosphere. Berrettini's been one of the most consistent guys in the game on tour and reaches the quarterfinals now, Wimbledon being the last of it, at all four major slams. He's been getting results in clay, hard courts, and now at Wimbledon with his serve and his 100-mile-an-hour forehand that he's cracking. There's a lot of weapons on this guy who's inserting his hat into the race, Greg, as another one of these young guys up and coming. Well, I was at Queens, and I saw him win that event, and he's by far the best player. I mean, the serve is humongous. The forehand's I mean, even bigger almost, but the backhand has improved, but that's the area you got to break down on him. But he's added that variety of slice. I think he's got a good team of people around him and, you know, Italian tennis, I don't know what's in the water there, but it just (laughs) seems to like be Italian after Italian that, that are, that are great players. You've got Musetti, you've got Sinner, you've got Barrettini, you go after the list. It's quite incredible. And he's at the forefront right now. And I think, you know, the first time we saw him in the big time was the U.S. Open semifinals two years ago. And then COVID kind of hit. And if we look at the, the rankings, if there wasn't COVID, he wouldn't have had that protective ranking. But he managed to use that time to work on his game and become a better player. He moves better. His forehand's bigger. He's serving better. His backhand's more solid. His returns have improved. And, you know, he's got a good manager in Ivan Lubicic who coaches uh, Roger Federer. So he's got all the ingredients you know, to actually make it to the finals. If you would have said Italian in the semifinals of Wimbledon, good luck. Most people would be laughing at you the last 20 or 30 years, but this new generation is quite exciting. And Berrettini wants to show I'm the man in Italy, you know, uh, I, I want to do the job. And I think it's going to be who believes more in that semifinals. Cause that's going to be a four or five set Epic. And Berrettini has huge belief at the moment. He really does. His game is elevated. He's He's another guy that gets up playing these top players and playing other young guys, uh, winning that match against Felix Ojeda-Aliassime, which I want to give him props as well because he took some major strides in this tournament, beating Zverev, going toe-to-toe with Berrettini, beating Kyrgios when when he lost the first set. Kyrgios did start to kind of break down, but Felix is another guy, just 20, 21 years old, coming up, coming into his own, and really started to take some positives away from this tournament. We, we mentioned Tennis Canada, but... Felix is a guy who's definitely going to be a factor and a force for years to come. Oh, he's such a nice guy, well-spoken, very polite. I've had a lot of conversations with Felix. I've been very impressed. You know, bringing in Uncle Tony as well to try to get that different perspective because he's practiced a lot with Rafa. And it's good to see because we've been waiting for him to get to the quarterfinals, you know, at Wimbledon for a long time. He had that little breakthrough at the U.S. Open where he beat Murray and had that good run. But it's now learning how to handle those big moments in those big situations. And I feel like this is a breakthrough and I hope he pushes it on even further at the U S open and can make his first semifinals. Cause we need this next generation of guys to start stepping up, knocking off those, those big guys and creating new rivalries for our sport because uh, you know, it's great to have these big three at the moment that are slowly dissipating with Rafa's injury and Rogers trying to get back his form. But we need the next generation to step up. It's kind of like my generation when we had Sampras and Agassi and we were like, oh my God, he's broken the record. He's got 14 <laughs> slams. What's going to happen to men's tennis now? It's going to go go backwards. And then two years, we had the Hewitt-Guga sort of rivalry and then the big three stepped up. So yeah. I'm hoping that when the big three go away, we get this next young generation with Felix and Chapeau and you know, Team and Zverev and Medvedev pushing each other, having major battles at every slam couple more things with Greg Rosetsky here on Tennis Channel Inside, and uh, we're going to predict and, and look at the semifinal matchups uh, in a second. But I want to get your thoughts on Andy Murray coming back to play at Wimbledon, took a wild card, had some uh, impressive wins, Bazis Feely, and uh, beats the German Ott, and then gets to Shapovalov. And we can all see, like everybody from the outside, even ca- even casual fans could see he wasn't at 100%. The guy's got a, a metal hip for, for goodness sakes, but still fighting, still playing well, and the crowd support was just tremendous to see. I think it's also that post-COVID thing of actually seeing fans. But 
you got to see, Greg, what Andy Murray means to this sport, to the people of Great Britain, and just how much of a competitor he is, another guy that could have walked away uh, many years ago. Yeah, no no question about that with Andy. I mean, he, he's our best British player in the open era, bar none. I mean, two Wimbledon championships, he won the U.S. Open, world number one at the end of the season, ATB finals. The list goes on, double gold medalist. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, incredible. And he's probably one of our greatest sportsmen we've ever had in this country. And in Britain, we love him because the fact that he gives 110%, but the question mark is, the only concern I have for him is, What's his body going to be like at 50? You know, he's had back surgery. He's had double hip surgery, you know. And the other thing is he's playing matches where Bashes Philly, he was up five love and Johnny Mack was doing the commentary. And he's going, this match is done and dusted. I guarantee it. And then he loses the set 7-5. Roof closes, saves him with 10 minutes and comes back and wins the fourth set. And then all of a sudden he's playing a qualifier who should win against comfortably another five-set epic. So, the question mark, will he be happy putting in all this work? Because I've seen him working at uh, Wimbledon before the championship started, putting in all the hours, doing all the training, just to get to the third round of tournaments. And, and physically, his body has got to be hurting with that hip because I think it was Bob Bryan who had the same surgery, but he was only covering half a court. To do it in singles mm. is a big, big ask. So, you know, that's what he's got to answer as well. And he deserves to retire on his own terms. But I'm just worried he's going to hurt himself for the long term because remember, you, most of us live 50, 60, 70 years of age. There's there's a whole life ahead of you as well. Yeah, that, that's a fair concern. I do just love the fact that he was able to make it back. If, if this is it, then he got back. He didn't go out with, you know, the surgery and not coming back onto the court. So Yeah, but but, but this, this is the thing with Andy. He keeps you guessing. <laughs> he does. You know, he, he doesn't. He, I'm going to the Olympics. I don't want to retire. I'm going to keep playing. You, you never know. And I, I know when you announce your retirement, you kind of lose that motivation. Some players do. So they don't they don't announce it publicly. But, you know, it was great to see him back. I think the crowd appreciated. For me, he, he exceeded expectations, in my opinion. If you tell me he would have got to the third round of Wimbledon, all I have to do is say is well done. It's a, it's a heck of an effort. He beat Bez's Vili, and he's like, why would I retire? This guy's top 30. I haven't played in a while. Like, what would I, why would I do? Yeah, but the problem is, is you got to do it back to back yeah. to back to back days. And will, will, yeah. will the body allow yeah. you to do that? And he's a guy who's won, won all the slams. He's been to the Australian Open six times. It, 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 the older you get, unfortunately, we're not like a fine bottle of red wine. We don't get better with age all the time. I, yeah, I wish that was the case. I wish we could hang out to these goats forever, greats forever, but uh, we got to just say goodbye at some point. Uh, it's tough regardless. Uh, Greg Rosetsky, uh, semifinal picks. How do you how do you see these playing out? I see Djokovic coming through against Denis Shapovalov in four sets. I think the young Canadian is going to throw some fireworks out there, but I, I think that Novak Scott Gamey was my pick from the beginning of the tournament. Uh, he's going for the calendar slam, and I think he's going to win Wimbledon again. In the other semis, Berrettini against her catch is the one that's tough to call to be quite honest with you i think the game if i'm going game style why i go for her catch if i'm going for mentality i feel Berrettini has that little something but i'm going to go with her catch because he beat federa and i'm going to take her catch to go through to his first slam final in five sets wow well, that's quite a limb you went on going with Djokovic. No, I'm, um, I'm happy, to do, I'm happy yeah. to do the women's for you as well, if you like. It's, uh, well, yeah, it, it's just interesting with Shapovalov, like four sets. I, I think that would be great to take a set and take some positives. And you get a sense like you just got to empty the kitchen sink in the first set. Like it's if you fall behind early, Djokovic just sees the finish line. and He just bolts straight to it. Well, he does. And you got to look at the head to have Djokovic leads six love in the head to head. Um, Shapo pushed him in Australia to a tight three-set match, final set tiebreaker. So, you know, as you know, with all those greats, you got to win the first set. But as we saw in the French Open finals, you can win the first two, but still losing mm -hmm. five. Yeah, it's very, very true. Uh, and we could quickly, you said women's side, Barty is into the finals as we record this. We're waiting on the second one to start. Is this Ash Barty's tournament? Is it an, an Aussie Grand Slam on grass or one of these heavy hitters, Pliskova or Sabalenka? Well, I think Barty I've been so impressed with because we were all worried about how was the arm problem she had at the French Open. She looks fully recovered. She's moving exceptionally well. She's got a great slice back end, and she's a junior champion. So I feel like Sabalenka is going to make the finals against her, and I think Barty's going to lift her first ever Wimbledon title. 
the reverence that these Aussies have for this event, it, it's kind of impressive. And even when she won Roland Garros, she said Wimbledon, like, I'm, I love grass the most. This is my, my favorite event. Uh, Greg Rosetsky, pleasure chatting with you. Uh, one last thing. Are you able to focus fully on Wimbledon with soccer going on with uh, the Euros <laughs> and the fact that it might come home this year? Um, well, we call it football over here, but yes, uh, it, it was rather exciting last night to get through 2-1, and uh, the whole country is going bananas. So Sunday is going to be crazy. It's at Wembley. Uh, I think everybody's having soccer or football parties, as you, you say over here. The pubs will be packed. There's a full stadium. It is going to be loud. It's going to be exciting. And I always look at Sunday as the best day of tennis because you have the men's finals. Then I can watch the soccer afterwards. And last time it happened, which was 2019 in Wimbledon, they had the same thing. They had Federer Djokovic. They had England win the cricket in the World Cup for the first time. And you had Lewis Hamilton win the Grand Prix. So another blockbuster Sunday of sport. Well, I, I would uh, really, really caution you to get some sleep beforehand to uh, get, you know, all your prep done and do your best not to be distracted. But uh, I, I, it's, it's an amazing time. The fact that you said it's at Wembley, too. I mean, England, England when they scored that equalizer yesterday, that crowd reaction was as loud as I've heard. So, oh, I mean, from start to finish, the crowds were going absolutely crazy out there. Um, they, were, they were absolutely loving. The nice thing is when you're in the commentary booth in the U.K., we have a second screen, so if the match goes late, we can sneak a peek on the side as well while you're doing your tennis commentary. I'm sure we might hear some reactions, too, in the grounds and around the area if, uh, <laughs> if England does well. Greg Ruzetsky, pleasure. We'll have to do this again. You can catch him on uh, Amazon Prime, some BBC work as well. Uh, Greg, thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside and A pleasure talking tennis with you. Uh, best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks so much, Mitch. All right, huge thanks to Greg Ruzetsky for appearing on this week's Tennis Channel Inside In. A lot to say, a lot to talk with him. And we know he'll be watching tennis through those tunnel vision glasses, at least till the Euro Cup starts. But uh, props to Greg Ruzetsky for coming on the show. One of the nicer guys in the industry. Really love to talk to him uh, in the future as well. All right, now it's time to go to the women's side with Danny Hantakova. She accomplished a lot in her tennis career, was a quarterfinalist as a teenager at Wimbledon, won multiple titles, and has become a premier analyst in the sport. She's got a lot to say about Ash Barty making the Wimbledon final, where she will meet Karolina Pliskova. Thoughts on Raducanu, the teenage British sensation, Anz Jabor, as well as other Wimbledon memories. It's downtown Danny, Danella Handakova on Tennis Channel, Inside In. Here it is now. All right, now on Tennis Channel Inside In, pleasure to be joined by a former top 10 player who's won every mixed double Grand Slam there is, all with different partners, might I add. Career high of number five, seven singles titles in an 18-year career. Hailing originally out of Slovakia, the now host of the Real DNA podcast, as well as Downtown Danny, a Tennis Channel feature, it's Daniela Hantakova on Tennis Channel Inside In. Daniela, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to talk Wimbledon with you. Uh, we mentioned how we missed it last year. And uh, I have to go to a blast from your past as well. 2002, as a teenager, you made the Wimbledon quarterfinal. Oddly enough, lost to uh, the uh, person that was still playing in 2021 Wimbledon, Serena Williams. But 2002, you made the quarterfinal here. And I know that from that point on, Wimbledon held a special place in your heart, this event and playing in this field. Yeah, exactly. It actually ha holds a special place since 2001 when somehow we managed to win uh, my first mixed doubles title out of nowhere because it was the first time I actually ever played the mixed doubles. And uh, I always, ever since I started to play on grass, I absolutely loved it. And, and I knew it was going to be my favorite surface throughout my career. I always wished that the season would have been much longer. And yeah, 2002 was special, um, you know, sharing the court with Serena for the first time on grass. And uh yeah, that's when she was at her best and almost untouchable. And, uh, you know, she had that aura and the locker room respect. And uh, it was always very challenging to be on, on the other side of the court. But at the same time, I always appreciate those opportunities when I go to play against uh, Serena because that was to me the biggest challenge, the biggest test uh, in my career to see kind of what I have to improve and work on in practice. 
What's it like to see her still out there? And I know this year it didn't go well. Um, age is never easy on anybody. Uh, the injury, of course, was uh, heartbreaking. But to see Serena out still fighting and still with something to prove at this state in her illustrious career. No, it's amazing. I mean, you know, that they still have that willpower. Um, Roger the same, Rafa as well. Um, it's just unbelievable after everything they've achieved. And so I do admire that because, you know, it's already yeah. <laughs> four years that I've retired and she's still around even though she's older. And uh, yeah, I mean, she's such a great inspiration and she's done so much for, for our sport. And uh, whenever she's part of a tournament, it's always a treat for the fans, for for the organizers and uh, it was a privilege to share the court so many times against her well in her era that's still going but at her peak she was the dominant force the apex of the game things have changed as we can see in the results this year alone there's been 22 different women in the 24 quarterfinal slots eight different from Roland Garros to Wimbledon just eight different women making the uh, quarterfinals there and how about this Danny 12 different semifinalists this year. So not one person made the same semi at, at this uh, Grand Slam run. Why do you think that is? It's a very good question. And I think it's a talking point that we've been discussing over the last couple of months. And I think there are different reasons for it. One, I think the overall field uh, of women's tennis is so much stronger. I remember back in the day, you know, the first week of a slam was for me um, more of a kind of still a training period, if you can say yeah. that with all my respect, but it was like, right, I'm still working on things that, you know, once I get to the quarters and I play Serena, what I need to do. And it was like almost sailing through the first week because let's say the outside of top 20 was not as strong. Having said that though, I feel like the top 10 back in the day, um, I remember when I was number five in the world, it was crazy. It was, uh, I remember looking at the rankings that week and it was, I think, Lindsay Davenport, Serena, Venus, uh, Jennifer Capriati in front of me, myself, number five, and then Martina Hingis, Dementieva, Kleisters, Justin Henna, Mauresmo. So it was crazy. Like the, I think the, the strength of that top 10 and somehow we managed to keep consistent, consistent results. Um, but yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like the top of the game, it's probably deeper now in terms of the talent pool, but the top at that time was so strong and they weren't really giving up, you know, weren't giving any ground, giving an inch to the next generation. There might have even been like a, I don't want to say a fear factor, but an intimidation factor that it was, like you said, you know, kind of surreal to, to take the court with those legends at the first time. Nowadays, the young players aren't lacking any confidence. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, you see players, you know, walking on the court against Serena. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I can hit hit the ball <laughs> just as hard as yeah. that she is. Uh, maybe also, you know, the, the technology, the rackets, the strings uh, are better, so more players are able to hit the ball hard. Um, uh, obviously, the fitness levels has improved big time. Um, you know, ever since I remember I, at, at the beginning. Let's say I was one of the very few, you know, hitting the gym twice a day and uh, doing all the, you know, weights, weights and uh, and other exercises stuff. Uh, where these days, you know, every single girl is is like a Formula One, <laughs> as far yeah. as the engine goes. So um, the other thing I would say maybe there are more distractions these days for the players. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the social media which we didn't have. So instead of you know, doing that, uh, we would talk about tennis. We would spend more time on the court, and maybe that's why that quality of the top ten um, mm -hmm. was was consistent. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a very good question, and I don't think anyone has really the answer. I also think that nowadays, because of prize money just increasing, it's life changing when you win a major, when you make a deep run, that it's hard to maybe keep that same motivation to keep it going. Someone who has done that. World number one and now Wimbledon finalist, Ash Barty, gets to the finals, had health questions coming in. She beats uh, a former champ, Kerber, today, has looked very remarkable and, and flawless at times throughout the tournament. And I know, based on your old playing style, described as like an all-court type of player, you got to appreciate the way Ash Barty plays with her variety and her ability to change tactics when her first one isn't working. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about the quality of a player, she's the best example we can have in women's tennis to have Ash on top of the rankings um, just because what she brings on the court. And she's still that, you know, old good classic where she really lets just her racket talk. You know, she 
she does the social media stuff in a way that, you know, her agent takes care of it and she does the unnecessary things, but other than that, you will never see her there. So you know that she's not spending energy she doesn't need to on that and that she really wants to get all the attention only when she steps on the court and away from it. I think that's where she keeps her mind so fresh and so focused on what she has to do because she doesn't have other distractions and uh, to me I absolutely love the fact she's number one in the world because she's such a great role model um, so down to earth and um, reminds me so much of Pedrafter and uh, we we know how much the fans loved him and uh, that's why I think they appreciate Ash um, as well so much just because you know she's just normal and she's a great example that you know you can be super successful and super famous but still keep the right head on. And a supernatural athlete too, as we've seen in her other sports. But golfer it's it, yeah, great golfer. I don't like that. I, I need to. I need to challenge her on that. <laughs> you need to. Her demeanor is great as well. An example of that today, down a break to Kerber in the second set, keeps her head in it. Doesn't doesn't panic. Doesn't let her emotions get the best of her. It's uh, it's very impressive to see. Um, as we look at kind of this field, and, and that's part of the the thing I wanted to discuss with you, Danny. There was a lot of you know I would say concern about, you know, the parody of the women's game, no Naomi Osaka, Serena gets hurt. We ended up with four tremendous ladies, uh, four pretty much big names in the semifinals. So for all the concerns, we got four great women, two great matchups going in the semis of this tournament. Yeah, it's a great point you make. Uh, and it's so true because after, you know, first couple of days, we were like, okay, what's going to happen here? You know, yeah. with so many seats uh, falling out and- just not really sure, you know, what we will be looking at at the second week. And then, you know, you wake up and you've got a semifinal lined up like this. I think we couldn't ask for 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 a better one. Uh, you know, we had one semifinal, completely different life uh, lifestyle than what uh, we've got going on in the second one. So I think for fans, you know, they they get what they want. Um, and yeah, like I said, this this was definitely the dream semis that uh, probably none of us would have expected at the beginning of the tournament. Now, there's so many good storylines in this tournament, and I want to just hit on a couple. I know your, your time is very valuable here, but uh, I want to talk about the local girl first, Emma Raducanu, who was a wild card. I, most people, even in the tennis world, might have known the name but didn't really know anything about her, how she played, and the 18-year-old made it all the way to the fourth round, an unfortunate ending where she had to retire. But this was the darling of the tournament, and with fans back in attendance, they were going crazy for the local kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you picked her um, because I've heard about her for some time because Nigel Sears, my former coach, is working yeah. with her. And actually, uh, you know, we were checking uh, during the tournament when she was doing so well. And I and I told him, right, because um, I'm actually, as we speak, uh, next to my TV, there is they're both Indian Wells trophies from one side and the other. Humble and pride. I took a photo of her <laughs> when she was playing and the Indian Wells title yeah. that we won together. I was like, right, I, I hope uh, you guys managed to, to, to do uh, very soon because I feel like she's got so much potential and having also Nigel around that's going to be a huge for her because one thing he does so well he he's always one step ahead so he knows what to expect with Emma with the attention she gets and uh, how to prepare her for for everything she will have to deal with the next couple of months and years and uh, also he always demands from his players to be super professional very very disciplined as far as the fitness goes um and all the commitments. So um, definitely, you know, she she has become a huge star overnight in England, but because she's got the right people around her and it seems like, you know, her work ethic is spot on. She's, um, you know, she's done the school the right way. So I think we are, yeah, definitely looking uh, at a future, future star of our game. And it was very nice. There was a schedule where Coco Gov was on, I think, center court and Emma was playing on court yeah. number one. And I felt like, right, this is, I think we are going to look at these two girls for a very long time. Yeah, both of them, especially Emma in this tournament, I mean, had no experience playing in a Grand Slam. And also the pressure that comes with playing in big courts. You're not just an 18-year-old playing in your first Grand Slam. You've got all eyes on you. So I thought she handled it well, winning a couple matches and uh, I liked her demeanor. She seemed like she was having a good time out there as well and really enjoying the moment. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's the stage of the career where you are really naive in a way. You have no yeah. idea, you know, what's going yeah. on and you're just free out there. Um, you have nothing to lose. So it's always interesting the, the following year when actually players will now start to look at her and try to figure out tactically how to play against her. And yeah, I remember when I was 18, was it 19, when I went into the Wells, and it's like, when I look back at it, like the confidence I would have, you know, playing Martina, she was number one in the world, he is in the finals. And I just, there was like zero doubt that I was gonna, not gonna win. And I think Emma has is in that stage now where it's like, you know, it's all happening for her. So I just hope that she keeps up with this uh, momentum, that she stays healthy and um, that we can have a new new phase in women's tennis. More with Danella Hantakova on Tennis Channel Inside in. Uh, Emma Ranakanyu, Coco Goff, some rising stars. But there's been some great veteran play at this tournament too. Kerber lost today in the semifinals. Uh, you know, that was a, a case of, you know, running into a better player in Ash Barty. You had Pliskova, who's currently in the lead as we record this. I grouped those two together, Danny, because they came into this tournament not playing well on the year. I think combined like 29 and 22 going into Wimbledon, but it turned. It turned. Kerber rode momentum going into this. Pliskova finally put it together. Are you surprised that veterans can kind of salvage their season? at this point of the year in such a big event? Well, I think with Angie winning the title in Mallorca, that was huge coming into Wimbledon because, you know, it doesn't matter how bad you play throughout the season, as soon as you enter your favorite uh, surface, you kind of forget that. Um, and you suddenly have, have that confidence and, and the memories from the past years. I always say to play well on grass, it takes time. It takes years to develop into like a solid, grass court player that knows, you know, what it takes, how to play. And everyone has their own ways. Even with Roger, you know, he's improved so much the way he's won his first title on, on grass at Wimbledon to, to his last one so far. And uh, that's what I felt with Angie. Even today, when she stepped on the court before the semis, you could have, you could see the look in her face, like, right, you know, you know what, guys, this is my territory. I don't care. I'm the oldest one here in the semifinal lineup. Like, I know what it takes to win the title. And I, I thought she played unbelievable, but um, you know she caught um, Ash on a on an um, even better day, and uh, that's why she didn't get through it. But I thought you know she she played great tennis. Yeah, I I think turning it around, winning the title on her home soil, you know, giving her confidence, beating Coco Goff, a young upstart with tremendous potential, just showing her that you know she has the third most active grass court wins behind the Williams sisters. So she can play on the surface with Pliskova, who's currently leading in that match against Sabalenka. You felt like it was only a matter of time with her serve and her weapons that she puts it together and, and oddly enough, fell out of the top 10. Uh, a note on Sabalenka. I just want to say, Danny, um, she had never made a quarterfinal before in a major, which is insane to think about. This has been a good year for her. We'll see how the result comes today, but she finally did take that next step. And it was good to see with how she plays that she could be consistent enough to be one of the greats. Yeah, I think with Sabalenka, it's just about um, time when she's going to get the Grand Slam title because she's such a powerful player. And she also tried to, uh, I would say, be more creative on grass. You know, she she did serve and volley. She did try to hit a few drop shots and slice back. And so, again, I think it takes time. And within the next two, three years, she will start to feel even more comfortable in her own skin where, you know, Pliskova has been around longer. And uh, that's one thing with Carolina. She has such an unbelievable mentality, just being able to throw things, you know, behind her, not look in the past. You know, she, I thought she did so well after that uh, Rome disappointing finals. Um, I really, I was so keen to follow her, what she's going to do. And, you know, she just had a gelato in Rome, enjoyed herself in the city. And uh, she's like, right, off to, off to the next one. And because she has that mentality, she can put it all together at any stage. And uh, when she does put it together, she's almost unbeatable because, um, yeah, I remember we used to practice a lot together. And yeah. with Carolina, it's either <laughs> she she either she would hit me off the court 6-1 or I would do the same to her. There's like nothing in between. So when everything works for her, similar to Petra Kvitova, it's like sometimes you literally feel like you're just picking up the balls and going from one side to another. Those, those Czech female tennis players, they just seem to put it together. Uh, when it all comes together, they can be at the very top of the game. Uh, thank you for being gracious with your time, Danny. I'll, I'll let you go in a second. I do want your opinion on somebody else who's been playing great tennis and making history. Anj Jabor, 
what she's done and what she's represented for her region. Tunisian uh, pe- people from Arab countries haven't really had success yet in this sport. It's just been amazing to see what she's done. And somebody else whose game I just like from a stylistic point that it's creative, funny, and has a lot of flair in it. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I'm I'm right there on the same page yeah. with you because um, I'm a huge fan of her of her tennis. I sent her message after the tournament. I think she's so good for women's tennis and just so refreshing to see. I would say she's a female version of Fabrice Santoro that pretty much anything she wants, she's gonna do. I mean, it's just beautiful to watch the the shot making ability. Um, but at the same time, I feel like she, you know, of the forehand side, she hits it as hard as anyone out, out there, and also physically. She got much much stronger, and I think that's mentally helped her to believe that you know she she's got the tennis. So, um, you know, it's I love I, I would love for her to have these amazing real results for the next couple of years because obviously she motivates so many women from that part of the count uh, that part of the world and just uh, yeah such a great role model for for our tennis as well. It's good to see that the game's growing as much as it is. So I'm I'm very appreciative to have her in the game. Uh, Danny, I know you're a very busy woman. You're, you're hustling all over the place. I think, is Pliskova wrapped this one up as we record this? Yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> two points away as we're recording it. So I think, uh, and she's on surf. So anti, un, yeah. un, unless she gets really super tight, which is possible yeah. in semifinals of Wimbledon, um, I think she, she should be able to get through this one. Pliskova and Barty potentially looks like it's official now uh, or getting there in the final. Should be a good matchup. Two different styles, two different different players uh going at it and uh danny i think we're just all expecting a great woman's final uh with a first time champion now so it'll be great to see yeah it will be unbelievable final one way or the other so really looking forward for that one Danella hantakova thank you for coming on the show congrats on the real dna podcast by the way it's a great listen and uh, i'm excited to see you drop more episodes to, for that as well <laughs> Thanks so much and hope to see you uh, hope to talk to you next time in a quieter way. In a little quieter <laughs> way. That's Daniela Hantakova. Thank you again for joining Tennis Channel Inside yes, In. Bye. Thanks again to both Greg Ruzetsky and Daniela Hantakova for appearing on Tennis Channel Inside In. The women's final is set. Pliskova and Barty. See what happens there. Men's semifinal action tomorrow. It's Djokovic for Shapovalov. Berrettini versus Hercosh. Still a lot of drama to be decided. Reminder that you can catch every episode of this podcast, as well as every one of the Tennis Channel Inside In in the entire catalog on the Tennis Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcasts. We're available on all your podcast platforms as well. More episodes every single week. A lot of podcasts, a lot of a lot of content on the brand new tennis.com website. Make sure you're checking that out. For Greg Ruzetsky and Danella Hantakova, I am Mitch Michaels, and this was... Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.